today is Fear Not Friday. What's today? It is November the 17th. Is it? It sure is. What day of the week is it? Friday. Oh, okay. Fear not. Fear not. Let's go. Boom. It's time to lift our hearts to Jesus. It's time to break some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Good morning, everybody. Well, this song was requested by my wonderful wife back here, Miss Lisa. So it's called How Deep the Father's Love by Stuart Townsend. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all Bring any sons to glory. 
Dad? I remember. It's been a while. When I went to the Gettys conference, he was there because he likes the Gettys. Stuart was there? Mm-hmm. And he got up on stage, and they were talk- he was talking about modern hymn writing. And someone, and he said, the biggest question I, or the biggest, like, thing people tell me when they see me is, you're still alive? Because uh-huh. it's a hymn, and people think they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? I yeah. remember that. Love, love, love that song. The theology in that song is phenomenal. Yes, baby? Hi, Ruby. What? Phenomenal. God is good. All right, well, it is Fear Not Friday, and I am jumping off of topic. I hope that doesn't make anybody mad, but sometimes... If it does, too bad. If it, I'm having a cup of happy over here. Sometimes... You know, things just get you kind of stirred up a little, and it's like, so we're going to talk about something that really, I, it would be good for me to do like a two-hour Bible study on, but ain't got time to do that. But I do want to talk a little bit about, there's a lot of, of questions out there about how you, we should think about Israel. Uh, I shared a little bit yesterday, someone uh, uh a person sent me a video that was basically, the gist of it was basically God's done with the nation of Israel. The modern state of Israel is a product of Satan himself. They are oppressing the world. They don't need to be there. Uh, the church is Israel. And God has nothing to do with, the, with, with what's going on over there. That has nothing to do with the world at all. And... Um, and, and, and this video is bringing out Scripture, but it's not bringing out the whole Scripture. You know, you can take a portion of Scripture and teach about any kind of weird, strange thing you want to. Mm-hmm. For that matter, there I, is a Scripture that says there is no God. But the rest of it says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. Well, she stole the words right out of my mouth. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> So yeah, you just want to take a part of the part, portion of Scripture. The Bible says there is no God. But if you take the whole Scripture, it says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. And so taking all of Scripture, context, you will never get to the true meaning of Scripture without context. Without context. Now here's another thing that you have to learn about studying the Bible. Guys, when you've got 90 clear scriptures, as, as uh, one said, I think it was Dr. Michael Brown said, you got 90 clear scriptures and two hard-to-understand scriptures, you don't take the two hard-to-understand scriptures and cast out the 90. You take the 90 that are very easy to understand and say, okay, it's hard for me to understand these two and what they must be talking about. But they can't be talking about, right, because all of these are explained. So anyway, I want to jump in. If I, if I keep talking, we're not going to have time to get through much, so I better get in. Uh, so I will throw out some scriptures, but you might have to go back over this if this interests you and, and get some of them. I'm not, you know, so it might go, the actual study may go more than 20 minutes. It may go 25 minutes today. But let me make some statements first that you need to hear very clearly. Please listen to this clearly. Because people can get mixed up and confused all the way around. This num- statement number one, you must hear everybody. All people are saved. Both Jew and Gentile are all saved. 
by grace through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeshua HaMashiach. No one is going to heaven by virtue of their race. No one is going to heaven by virtue of their ethnicity or any such thing. You must receive Jesus as Lord. Hear that clearly. That's number one. Whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, you must receive Jesus, Yeshua. He must be your Lord. You will not be saved by keeping law. You will not be saved by keeping feast. You will not be saved by any other means but the imputed righteousness of the Lord onto your account. You must be born again, right. Now, number two statement that you must hear. The church, the bride of Christ, is believers from both Jew and Gentile around the world. Gentile Christians are not second-class citizens. They're not... Uh, uh, Gentile Christians, Gentile followers, Gentile disciples, say it any way you want to say it, born-again believers, whether Jew or Gentile, uh, because people say, well, you're saying if you're a Gentile believer that you're, uh, you know, you're a stepchild or you're a... God has no stepchildren, okay? It's the same blood that saves everybody. Just the a, a, a born Jew, a DNA-born Jew must be born again, and a DNA-born Gentile of any race, any ethnicity must be born again. We all must be born again. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Now, the church, made up of both Jew and Gentile, has promises that have been promised to the church. Now, I'm turning over to Revelation right now, chapter 2. And I'm going to start with verse 25. Okay? Jesus wrote a letter to a church. This was a corrupt church, but he told the people in the church. He says this, Hold fast what you have till I come. Those among the church that I'm writing to that have not done what the others are doing. You, you see, the Lord Jesus knows, and you need to learn this as well, Okay? You can have a, a church, you can have a denomination that the majority of the denomination can go off and start teaching and believing crazy stuff. That doesn't mean everybody in that believes that. This is a point in case if you'll study this church here, this corrupt church of Thyatira. Okay, but he says to the ones who... Uh, don't have that teaching. Don't hold to that teaching. Don't hold to that doctrine, verse 25. Hold fast what you have till I come. Till I come. And, verse 26, he who overcomes, that means, who, who's the one who overcomes? The one who holds fast till he comes, overcomes. And keeps my works to the end. To the end of what? To him, I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with the rod of iron. Power over the nations. Ruling over the nations with the rod of iron is the promise to the church that overcomes to the end. Okay? Okay. 
They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says, 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 says to the churches. Plural. This goes to all churches. You overcome till, and, and hold fast till the end. I'll give you power over the nations. You will rule them with the rod of iron. What's important about this? Well, one, it's a blessed promise to the overcomers. Number two, it is not for this time. In this time that we live in, the church is sheep among wolves. Persecuted, Brother Nadim. Okay, in his land. Can't even get a job because he's a believer in Jesus. He's not ruling over the nations with a rod of iron. But uh, those who hold fast till the Lord comes receive the promise of ruling over the nations with the rod of iron, ruling and reigning with Christ. There are tons of scripture on this. Can't go into all of them, but there's tons of scripture that talk about this very same thing. But you say, oh, well, no, that's that's talking about now. No, the persevering unto the end is talking about now. Holding fast to the end, following the Lord, enduring in your faith till the end, whatever that end is, that gains you power. Okay, so will there be a real kingdom? People say, oh, it's all spiritual. Okay, I believed that too at one time. I was taught that. Replacement theology basically says this. There's really, there's not going to be a kingdom. Jesus is not going to rule and reign over the earth. All that is spiritual. Okay, listen. Sometime do a study about the prophecies that Jesus, Yeshua, fulfilled when he came. You know what you're going to find? Did he spiritually fulfill a lot of prophecies? Yes. But he physically and literally fulfilled Amen. multitudes of prophecy. Amen. Uh, let me give you a few, just in case somebody's question. Uh, okay. Just to, I'm, I'm just going to just read some. I'm not going to tell you where they're at, but just to give them to you. Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That's a prophecy. He would be preceded by a messenger. There would be a messenger that would go before him and preach that he's here and he's come to do his work. That's John the Baptist, by the way. Literally fulfilled. Tons of scripture showing that. Messiah would be betrayed by a close friend. Literally betrayed. Literally, not spiritually betrayed. Literally betrayed, okay? The Messiah, the Messiah in prophecy uh, would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Guess what Judas, guess what Judas got for betraying Jesus? Anybody? 30 pieces of silver. You can't make this up. You cannot make this up. <laughs> the money which Messiah is sold for, the prophecy said, okay, in Zechariah, 
It said it is to be thrown to the potter. You know what they, when when Judas come and threw the money back, you know what they did with the money? They said, oh, we can, well, we can't put this back into the temple treasury. It's blood money. How I mean, how much hypocrisy can religious people have? So they bought the potter's field. Messiah would be hated without a cause. Messiah would be silent before his accusers as they're going to kill him. He wouldn't open his mouth. He would not defend himself. He would not try to get out of it, is the point. Messiah would be executed by crucifixion. Psalm 22 even says, They pierce my hands and my feet. They wag their heads. They gamble. <laughs> they, this is crazy. Read these. Read Read these, literally fulfilled, not spiritually fulfilled. Yes, there's a lot of, if you take all the spiritually fulfilled ones too, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. But we're talking about literal prophecies that are fulfilled. Uh, he would be executed, not having a bone broken. He would be buried with the rich. Uh, he would be raised from the dead on the third day. Anyway. That's just, just giving a, a few. There's tons of prophecies literally fulfilled. So is there going to be a kingdom? Oh, it's all spiritual. It's not real. Okay. I want you to look in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Okay. Verse 28. Now, verse 27 set it up because Peter asked the Lord Jesus the Lord Yeshua, a question. He says, we've left everything. We've followed you. What, therefore, what shall we have? He says, what are we going to get for following you? I mean, we've left everything. We've given up homes. I mean, I've got a wife, Jesus. And, you know, I've just left everything behind to follow you. I've taken up the cross, and all of us apostles have. What are we going to get? Verse 28, this is important. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, in the, that in the regeneration, what's that? In the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of His glory, you have, who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Sometimes you may hear me say something about this. So I said, one of these days, James and Peter and John, they're all going to be right back over there in Israel in the land, mm -hmm. sitting on thrones. I don't believe that, Brother Scott. That's spiritual. Listen, they didn't sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel during their life. Peter was crucified upside down. You know, John was boiled in oil. James was killed with a sword. The, you know, Philip was... The evangelist was filleted alive. They were all, they died martyrs' deaths. But Jesus says, in the regeneration, you, when the son, in the gener, gener, regeneration, when the Son of Man is sitting on the throne of his glory. Okay, so the regeneration, regeneration has something to do with being regenerated. Okay, and has something to do when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory. When that happens, you are also going to sit on thrones. In other words, you're going to rule and reign with me. 
And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Praise the Lord. Okay, another one to go along with what we're talking about here. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 3. Now we're thinking about the regeneration. We're thinking about uh, what's he talking about here? Now we talked a little bit about prophecies. I'm going to Acts chapter 3. Okay. Peter is preaching and I'm starting with verse 17. And here's what he says. He's preaching to his brethren. Peter's a Jew and he's preaching to Jews. He says, yet now, brethren, I know he's talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. You, you, you killed the prince of life. You killed him. You hung him on a tree. Okay? Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as also did your rulers, as did also your rulers. Verse 18. I'm in Acts 3.18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets... That the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. His first coming, he fulfilled all the things that the prophets said about what the Christ would suffer. Psalm 22. Read that. Mark that down and go read it. It's one of the things. He's fulfilled that. Okay? Verse 19. Now he's given you an opportunity to repent. Verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. You want your sins blotted out. I know you did it in ignorance. You was not seeing right, my brothers. You wasn't understanding, and I know this. And the prophecy said this would happen. So now, brothers, repent that your sins will be blotted out. God wants to save you. He wants to blot out your sins. So that, the, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20. And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Verse 21. Now this is the clincher. Whom the heavens, whom heaven must receive until. Heavens have received Jesus, Yeshua. Heavens have received him until what time? The times of restoration. Restoration means the time that he's going to restore. The times of restoration of all things. He's in heaven until the times of restoration. There's a time called the times of restoration. The times of regeneration. Of all things, now, look at this. I underline this in my Bible. Which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Not only did the holy prophets prophesy about literal things that the coming of the Messiah would fulfill in his coming and in his death. And this is what confused people. Because there's other prophecies about what the Messiah is going to do as in sitting on the throne in Jerusalem, Zechariah chapter 12, 13, 14. There's all these prophecies about what 
the Lord is going to do and what the Son of Man is going to do and the kingdoms He's going to rule over. Okay? Heaven is going to receive Him until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all His prophets. So the prophets also prophesied about another time called the times of restoration. Okay? All right, now turn back to Acts chapter 1. This is why, now these, these guys knew this. This is why they asked the question. In Acts 1, uh, verse 6, they're talking, this is after the crucifixion. Now they got it. Now they got it. Okay, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. He would be crucified. They didn't get it that he'd rise again on the third day. They still didn't understand, you know, until Jesus begins appearing to them. Yeshua just starts showing up and appearing to them. He talks with them. And this is what how Acts started. You know, they spent 40 days. He was teaching them for 40 days after they saw him brutally murdered. And after that, three days later, he come back out of the grave on the first day of the week. He resurrected. Then he spent 40 days talking to them. And now that he's resurrected, the verse 6, they, therefore, when they come together, they ask him, saying, some Acts 1, 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now you've resurrected from the dead. Is this now the time of the restoration? Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own hand. Okay? but you shall receive power. So I'm granting you authority to preach the gospel and to bring people to repentance. This is what we read about in chapter 3. It's not the time of restoration yet. It's not the time of restoration. Okay? And they said, are you going to restore everything to Israel? And then later, after the day of Pentecost, Peter understands a lot more, and he's preaching, and he says, look, heaven's received him until the time of restoration, not just of Israel, but the restoration of all things. <laughs> I love Man. it. Now, skip in Acts chapter 1, skip to verse 11. No, no, let's, let's read. Uh, verse 9. Now, while he had spoken these things, and while they watched, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. Okay? And a cloud received him out of their sight. They watched the Lord go up into the cloud. It wasn't like a big whirlwind came like Elijah. It wasn't like the disappearing of Enoch. They watched him leave the Mount of Olives. They watched him leave the Mount of Olives. What's significant about that? Read Zechariah 12, 13, 14. You'll find that his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives. Now, this is at a different time after all the nations have come against them to battle at the end. Okay, now, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus... This same Yeshua, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like 
manner as you saw him go into heaven. People say the, re the return of the Lord is just spiritual. Jesus returned in, in 70 AD. No, no, no. Just like you saw him go up, you're going to see him come down. Amen. Where? Jerusalem. Where? The Mount of Olives. <laughs> you're going to see it. He's going to physically return just like he physically left. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. So, during this time, and so here's another, what, what, oh my gosh, my time is way over. All right. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I want to go to one more spot before we close. I want to go to one more spot before we close. I want to tackle one more thing. This, this would take hours to go through, but if you would, go over to Romans chapter 11. Now, this is dealing with this, what I call replacement theology. You can, there's a lot of names for it. Basically, what it says is that Israel rejected, they did not receive Jesus, and so uh, God is done with them. God is done with the physical seed. God is done with the physical seed. Done with them. Now, all it is is the spiritual seed. Now, there is a spiritual seed, Okay. But the point is, uh, I heard it said this way. They rejected Jesus. They're Christ killers. You think God wants anything to do with them? I'm telling you, all they are is a, is a, is a, all that is, is a revelation of Satan himself over there. And let me tell you what that do, does, especially when this comes from Bible teachers. Oh my gosh. The anti-Semitism that that stirs. And those people that don't get in the Bible themselves and just listen to this garbage have a wrong view. So here's the question. Uh, what about the unbelieving Jews? What about unbelieving Israel? Is there still Are they still, in a sense, chosen? Is there still a chosenness to them? Now, I started this broadcast saying... Nobody is saved without receiving Jesus. Your DNA does not get you to heaven. It's not going to get anybody to heaven. Understand me that. Understand me. This is very clear. But I want you to go to Romans chapter 11. And he's going to talk about a mystery. Okay? And you have to study this on your own time, but I want to take probably another three, four minutes, if y'all will allow that. For I do not desire, I'm starting with verse 25. I'm in Romans 11, 25. Now he's been talking about how that the unbelief, you know, the branches were broken off and the Gentiles now have been grafted in to the same olive tree. But then he says, but hey, don't you get boastful. Don't you get arrogant like people do because God can graft them right back into their own tree again easily. Now we get to verse 25. And this is a section that throws totally out this nonsense that uh, God does not care about the physical seed. Verse 25 says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this uh, mystery. Here's a mystery. Paul says, I want to explain a mystery to you. This is hidden. Lest you be wise in your own opinions, conceits and opinions, 
don't get lifted up in arrogance, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What does that blindness in part has happened to Israel? The believing Jews of that day is not blind. Okay. Simon Peter's a Jew. John's a Jew. Bartholomew is a Jew. James is a Jew. Everybody saved on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 added. There were Jews that came up to celebrate Passover. There were Jews in the city celebrating the Passover. They had come in from all the nations. The church was Jewish. But the nation as a whole was blinded. And it's a prophecy that this would happen. And he says, now this partial blindness has happened until Israel, and it's going to remain. There's a national blindness, even though there's a remnant of true believers within Israel. But that partial blindness has happened unto Israel until, that is, until the fullness of the Gentiles, the nations, comes in. Okay? What's going to happen then? Verse 26, And so all Israel shall be saved. Now he's referring to a prophecy. The deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Go study Zechariah 12, 13, 14. They are gathered back into the land in unbelief. They're going to come back from the nations in unbelief. And then in the greatest trouble called Jacob's trouble, God is going to open their eyes and save them. And if you think there's a blessing to the world over their blindness, this is what he says earlier. How much more? What do you think is going to happen when the nation comes to the Lord? That does not mean nobody's getting to heaven without knowing Jesus. But you've got to understand there's prophecies of a turning that's going to take place. For this is my covenant with them. With who? The one that's been blinded, not the ones that's not blinded. Now, verse 28. Now look at verse, to prove, I'm going to prove this and I'll stop. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. This is not talking about the believers. This is talking about the unbelieving Jews, the unbelieving Gentiles. What's he mean? Do you know the earliest persecution upon the church came from Israel? It came from the Jews. The Jews was the one beating them. They were persecuting them. They were kicking them out of the synagogue. They were blaspheming them. They wanted to, I mean, even Saul, Paul, went to strange cities destroying Jews who believed in Jesus. Concerning the gospel, they're enemies. They're not believers. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. There is a love that God has for the physical unbelieving because of their fathers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the promises he made to them. Moses, they're beloved for the father's sake. Why? Verse 29, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable. No, it doesn't get them into heaven, but there's going to be a turning and they're get, they gather back. That's why we pray every day. We pray every day, Lord, take the veil off. Lord, take the veil off. 
okay? Let them see, open their eyes and let them see the Messiah. Let our brothers and our sisters see the Messiah that they may be saved by the grace of God. All right. I hope this has been a little bit of a blessing to you. And man, I didn't get far in my notes at all, but I love you and know this. God loves you. You're just as loved as anybody. Born again, child of God, you're not a second class. You're not a stepchild. You are the seed of God. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according, you are heirs according to the promise. You've been grafted in. You are going to be part of the ruling class, the rules and reigns with Jesus if you pick up your cross and remain steadfast unto the end. Amen. He's going to grant you such beautiful grace and authority to be a blessing with Him. But do not mistake this. There is a time of restoration of all things. The Son of Man is going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem, not in America, and He's going to rule the world. Amen. Love you, saints. God bless you. Shalom, shalom, and Shabbat shalom. I hope you have a great Shabbat. I hope you have a great first day celebrating the resurrection. May the Lord touch you and bless you and keep you as you serve Him. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. And when we say the Lord's Prayer, by the way, we're praying for that time of restoration as well. We're praying for the spiritual, your kingdom come, and we're praying for the physical. Come on back, Lord. That's the end of the book of Revelation. Come. Even so, come quickly, Lord. Come on back. Put an end to this wickedness. Let's pray. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. So y'all pray for us today. We're going to try to find Sarah a violin. A new one. So pray, pray, pray for us that we'll find the right one at a good price. We will try to go live Sunday. Okay? For those of you that's asking, we're going to try to do that Sunday. I'll probably do it from my iPad. I just got to get it to where Lisa don't have to hold it, she said. Amen to that. <laughs> All right. Love you, saints. We'll see you. Lord willing, next week.